Praise God. Amen. You can remain seated. I, uh, several weeks ago, uh, in fact, I believe it was the first Sunday morning, if I recall, it all kinds of runs together after a while. The first Sunday morning, Brother Morgan was here. Might have been the second one he preached. And at the end, it really, we broke into something. That's when he began to talk about praise and the power of praise. And I believe we broke into something uh, there. And uh, in my own personal life, I believe something began to change for me as I was reminded again of the power of praise. Because for so many of us, especially those of us that come to church on a regular basis, we can allow praise to become something uh, that becomes robotic and it loses its power when it becomes something we do simply because we have created muscle memory. And so we can come in here and we can clap our hands and we know how to even raise our hands and we can even move around a little bit, but we lose something when we, when we forget the power of praise. And when Brother Morgan began to minister that day and the Lord began to work and the Spirit of the Lord began to, began to move in this place, I was reminded again, and I believe there were people in here that were reminded again, the power of praise. I saw God begin to work and move on people's life that, uh, that I hadn't seen move in a long time. And the Bible says at one point that Judah shall plow. Uh, I believe it's in Hosea, if I can remember the scripture off the top of my head. It says, Judah shall plow. And, and, and if, if you're, if you study the Bible at any at all, you know the word Judah means praise. And there's something about praise that, that begins to plow up things in our lives. There's something about praise that begins to break up some hardness. It's hard for us. It's hard for you to truly praise and worship without God beginning to affect your life. Because when you begin to praise, and you begin to worship, you begin to create an atmosphere. Because the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. And when you begin to praise God, you begin to create a habitation. You begin to build a house for God to abide in. And when God shows up, anything's possible. And when you begin to create a habitation, a, a place of praise, it, it's hard to tell God how great He is without God telling you who you are. And when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus and you begin to tell Him how great He is and who He is, then God is able to step in your life as you begin to plow in praise. He's beginning to step in your life and begin to, to change things and work on things from the power of praise. That's greater than a song or a beat or a clapping of the hands, but there's something supernatural in praise. It's not just about what song makes me feel good. It's not about, well, they're not singing my song or that's not what I like or that's not what you like. We don't praise to entertain you. We don't worship to entertain you. We don't sit down and think, what song do people like? What songs don't people like? The idea of worship is, if we begin to create an atmosphere, God is going to show up. And if you, no offense to anyone here, but if you don't come back next week, we're going to keep on ticking. If you don't ever show up here again, we're going to keep on going. We've been here for 45 years, we'll keep going. But if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Because I've never healed anybody. I've never set anybody free. I've never saved anybody. I've never touched anybody. I've never ministered anybody. But the 
King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who said, let there be light. The one who, who came to earth as a babe and died on a cross and was buried and resurrected. If he doesn't show up, we're in trouble. So we don't praise to get you here. We praise to get him here. I don't mean this to be on anybody or, or to, 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 to be critical of anybody, but now churches, they put out signs. We got contemporary worship. We got contemporary music, and they're doing all that to get you. I don't care if whatever song you sing, I don't care if you've got a beat so fast you can't even move your feet or your beat so slow it sounds like an opera. It doesn't matter what you sing or how you sing it. Trust me. I've been in some places that had phenomenal music that God wasn't anywhere to be found. And I've been in some places that the music was so annoying you wanted to literally poke your earbuds out and God was there. I don't mean to be offensive, but in Pakistan, it's got some of the worst sound of music I've ever heard in my life. If you need music to get, get you grooving in the presence of God, don't go to Pakistan. I don't mean that they're sincere people, but my Lord, their music can drive you crazy. But I'm telling you what, when they come together and they begin to worship the Lord, guess what? He shows up because he doesn't matter if you don't know how to sing on beat. He doesn't know if you can't carry a tune. He doesn't care. But the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. So Psalms 137 says this. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there are those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. We replied, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If you would just give me a few moments of your time today, I want to preach with this thought in our mind, When praise rattles your cage. When praise rattles your cage. This psalm is interesting because most of us, when we think of the book of Psalms, we automatically think of King David. We, for most of us, we accredit all of Psalms to David, but in actuality, not all of the Psalms were written by David. In fact, some of the Psalms were actually penned by Moses in the wilderness, and some of the Psalms were written by other uh, writers. Some are even unknown, and and uh, yes, most a lot of the Psalms were written by David, but there are places in particular parts of the Psalms that weren't written by David. And this one is one of those times because one th- one Psalms 137 speaks of a time in the uh, children of Israel when they were carried off into Babylonian captivity. This was some 350 years after the death of David that this Psalm was written. It was later added into the Psalms. And so this Psalm is very odd when it comes to the fact that most Psalms that we attribute Psalms 23, the Lord is our shepherd and all that kind of stuff that we talk about that we attribute. This is interesting because it wasn't written by David and it was written during a time that was quite interesting and and most of us, when we read the Psalms, we read it based off uh, an understanding or maybe inspiration. But, but for them in the Bible, they would read the Psalms and they would read them and it would be something that they would read and sing as they, re- as they read. And, 
in the Eastern world, uh, uh, even nowadays, that, that this is still a practice uh, 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 that, that they do. Even in synagogues today here, they still do it. And if you've ever been to a Muslim country and you ever heard the call to prayer, the call to prayer almost sounds like singing because that is the way they would read. And so Psalms would begin to be read like this. But in this particular case, we find that this Psalm refers to a time that, that obviously Israel or the children of Israel had gathered down by the river and began to sing. And the Bible says that they begin to weep when they remembered Zion. They begin to, they begin to, to remember what Zion was like and they begin to cry out and they begin to sing about what used to be and, and what had been and what they'd lost. And, and sometimes we're a little bit like that. We, we get so caught up in, in, in the way things used to be or how we remember things that, that, that we kind of get, uh, overly nostalgic that we, we forget we were still living today. You know what? A lot of times I, re- I, I, I realize that I have a lot of good memories, but I, I remember there are times I, I, I remember things uh, a little different than the way they happened. Because there's times that that I, I've told my wife, you know what, man, when, when I was a kid, this is what we did, and, and this is how we, this was awesome. And in my mind, as I remembered it, it was awesome. And I'm like, let's go do that again. And we show up, and I'm like, that was what we did. I, didn't, I don't remember it quite being. I remember it being a whole lot better. I mean, you think about your first car. Man, I had my first car, and it was this, and it was a great car. You forgot you had to crank down the windows. I I mean, you you had to push it downhill to get it started. You had to start it like 90 minutes beforehand just to even get a little bit of heat working. But remember, it was a great car, but but we remember things a little different. I, I wonder if a little bit in this psalm we find that Israel was kind of doing that a little bit. They were remembering the way it used to be, and they were calling out. And so the Babylonians heard this, heard this singing that was going on, and they came down and they asked them, and they said, Would you sing us one of the songs of Zion? Would you sing us one of those songs from Zion? And they, and, and they began to look around, and they began to look at each other, and they made this statement. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. And there are times for us in our lives that it feels like that our circumstances can steal our song. There are times it feels like that our circumstances can steal our praise because sometimes it feels like, you know what, how can I worship God and praise God when when I've got so much chaos in my life? And how can I praise God when I I don't know what's going to happen when I leave here today? And and all of the circumstances of our life begin to to weigh down on us. and, And someone says, let's praise God. And your reply is, how can I praise God in a strange land? But we find this to be interesting that the, the writer of the majority of Psalms, David, had a similar experience that was written. Because you've got to understand a little bit, and I know some of you know this already, but allow me for a minute to just lay a foundation. David was one of the most interesting people in the Bible. For the majority of his life, David was the model of relationship. If you could pick anybody out in the Bible that had a, 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 a relationship with God that you'd want to copy, it would be David. He was somebody that you, that you would aspire to be like. But 
Later on in his life, things started to go a little sideways in David's life. He ended up, ended up dealing with, 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 with all kinds of chaos and all kinds of mess and all kinds of stuff started breaking in his, out of his life from adultery to murder to cover up and then the death of a child. And he had all kinds of chaos in his life. And, and there's a scripture uh, that, that, that kind of sticks out to the condition of David. And I'm going to share something with you. And I know this is a, this is a more adult crowd and I'll try to be as, 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 as vague as I can with, and still give you the message. I'm going to read something that kind of sounds interesting to you. Psalms 38 says this, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply and your hand presses down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For I, my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden, There are too many for me, too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Verse 7, for my loins are full of inflammation and there's no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil in my heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something you probably never heard and I've never heard it before. And I was reading an article that was written by a Christian doctor and he took these verses and he studied them out and he concluded based off the description of the symptoms that David was describing that David had contracted an STD. Because of all the stuff in his life, the chaos in his life, that he had actually begin to have this take place. And then you go a little farther and watch what David says in Psalms 51. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightiest be justified when thou speakest and be cleared when you judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest the truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Watch this. That the bones which hath been broken may rejoice. There are a lot of things in life you can do, but it's hard to rejoice on broken bones. It's hard to rejoice on broken bones. If you've ever broken a bone in your body, and I thankfully to this day, I have not broken a bone. I've had some severe sprains, but I've never broken a bone. But even the sprain, it's hard to rejoice on broken bones. And David goes on to say this. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me clean. Verse 7 again. I shall be whiter than so. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which have been, what thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Not one time there did David ask God to fix his broken bones. He said, listen, if you want to fix it, go ahead and fix it. But even if you don't fix the broken bones, I'm still going to keep on dancing right on my broken bones. 
too many times. You know what? We want God to fix everything before we'll get our praise back. But David said, listen, I know what praise can do. I remember way back in the, in, in, in the, in the hills with the sheep when I would used to sing praises and I would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He began to remember that. He said, listen, you can do whatever you want, but all I need back is I got to get my joy back. I've got broken bones. Oh, my life is ravaged. I'm filled up with all kinds of junk. But if you don't fix any of that, that's okay with me. But restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because David understood, if I can get my dance back, if I can get my praise back, there is no mountain too high that I can't climb. There's no valley too low I can't make it through. Put up there real quick. I don't have it in my notes, but put it up there. Psalms 150. Psalms 150. This is the last Psalms. Ready? Psalms 150 verse 1. Watch what it says. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Verse 2. Praise him for his IDX. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him in the sound of the trumpet. Praise him in the psaltery in the heart. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Remember, this is the last psalm in the Bible. This sums all of the psalms up. The psalms of worship, the psalms of praise, the psalms of repentance. But there's something in there. If you read it, you miss it. you got to go back and look at it again because there's something. As you're going along, it just goes right by you. I'm going to read it again. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Now watch this. Ready? Now you're going to miss it. Praise Him with the trumpet. Praise Him with the psalter in the heart. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him on the loud cymbals. Praise Him on the high sounding cymbals. Notice that there's a list of all kinds of instruments. But there's one thing in there that's not an instrument. He said praise Him with the timbrel. But praise Him with the dance. Because He said, listen, I want to let you know that even if your life is broken and shattered and in pieces... But you got to dance in your heart today. But you don't know my life, preacher. You don't know how messed up things are. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know one thing. If you got some broken bones, you can still dance your way.
everything. Let everything. Let everything. Let everything that has breath. Praise ye the Lord. Praise. Just forgive me for a moment. Let me preach this two minutes and we'll get back here. Praise was never meant to be sophisticated. Praise was never meant to be pretty. Praise was never made to make you look good. Sometimes the praise, you gotta, you gotta take off your jacket. You, you gotta get a little more relaxed because praise isn't about how good you look. The fact of the matter is praise begins to do something inside of you. It begins to work and begins to shape and begins to break things in you. And listen, I'm not trying to get, if I offend somebody, come up and give me the hug afterwards. I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm so tired because the devil is trying to creep into the church realm and make praise into this spectacle of, uh, of entertainment and this spectacle of production. And now praise has got to be all this pretty wrapped up in a tight little bow. But every once in a while, you got to just say, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. once in a while you need to get somebody that doesn't care what's around gets their hand back on their hip and just gets a working in a little bit because there's something down in their soul they know when I think about the goodness of Jesus and oh he's done for me Sister Bundy, I love you because you know what? The devil's had everything he could to take your song. You've lost a child. You've lost this. But every once in a while, you just hear her over there. And you just give me that. Hey. Sister Bundy. Help me out. Because I remember this all when I was way back when I was a kid. Give me one of those notes. Yay! Because there's something that begins to take place when we begin to praise Him. Because if I was the devil, I would try to convince you this ain't necessary. If I was the devil, I would try to convince you, oh, that's a bunch of emotion. That's a bunch of hype. That's just a bunch of people trying to get you to do something. They don't, you don't need to do that. You can be sophisticated. You can sit there. You don't have to do any of that. If I was the devil, I would convince you that's the case because I would understand that if you ever get the revelation of what it means to praise... That it's not something we do in the beginning of service to waste time so everybody can get here on time to show up so the preacher can do what he needs to do. But there's something that happens greater when you begin to praise. 
If I was the devil, I would be in your ear right now telling you, you just sit there and don't worry about it. He's just crazy. He's just trying to get you. If I was the devil, I'd be telling you that. But tell me, if I the devil told me, I would put my hand back and say, listen, I've got my foot on the rock. My mind's made up. Though I walk to the lonely valley and drink from the bitter cup, when the devil comes a knocking, showing me an easier way, I stand flat on my feet. I throw my head in the air. I look him straight in the eye. I set my foot's on the rock. I've got my mind made up. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Sit down for a second. I got to hurry. I want to go through some other stuff. I don't have time. I'm trying to condense it. Too many costumes. We got to get going. But we go forward. We, we understand that you don't have to have a perfect situation to begin to praise. We find that the Israelites said, we can't praise God in this strange land. It's too messed up. We can't get it done. But David said, listen, I've got broken bones. My life's a mess. But if you would just give me my joy back, I'll praise you. I'll dance before you, even if my bones are broken. But we go later on into a familiar scripture that most of us have heard about, preached about, known about. But in Acts chapter 16, there were two men by the name of Paul and Silas. They come into a city. And as soon as they come into the city, they were met with great opposition. There was a, uh, was a girl there who was sent to them by her handlers, the, the ones that were using her for monetary game. And they sent them, sent her to Paul and Silas. And she was filled with, a, with an evil spirit. And she began to call out to them and mock them. And, and Paul looked at her and cast that spirit out of her. And when that began, Begin to take place, her handlers didn't like that too much. And they went to the, the powers to be and they said, listen, these fellows are trying to get us to do something that we as Romans aren't supposed to be doing. And, and, the, and, and those that were in charge decided this was not going to, were not going to work. And so they took Paul and Silas and they put them in prison. But that's not where really the story ends or begins because you got to understand just for a moment I'm going to say this as kindly as I can but, but, but I wonder sometimes when God looks at us and all of the complaining that most of us and I put myself in this category some of the complaining that we do and he knows what some of them went through that he doesn't just scratch his head and go are you serious? I mean, can I be honest? I, 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 God, I'm sick today. Why can't you heal me? I got to be sick today and I got this stuffed up nose and I just don't feel good and I got to go to work. And don't you know my life's so hard? You got to do something here. You just, just, because you know what? We've been convinced that if everything is not perfect in our life, we've done something wrong. And we've got to go find out what it is to fix it so God can pour blessings and we can get money and all kinds of toys and all this greatness in our life. But when you read some of the stuff these people went through, I'm not volunteering at all. We talk about, I want to be like Paul. Man, what a great man of God. When you read the stuff he went through, and let me paint a picture, okay? So Paul walks into a city. This girl comes up to him with this spirit. He casts it out of it. All hell breaks loose, literally. Next thing you know, he's standing before before the powers that be. And they decide, we're going to put you away until a trial can be done. The first thing they did was they beat them. Now, I'm not talking about 
you know, a spanking. I'm talking about they beat them. I, I read this. I try to look this up, this, this idea, and there's many different interpretations. But, but one of them talked about being beat with rods. And I remember, remember I traveled over to Singapore uh, 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 three or four years ago. I was traveling there quite a bit. And, and one of the forms of punishment that's still used in Singapore is caning, public caning. And one of the ways they do this is, it's not just like, oh, spank you with a cane. The way they do this is, and and again, I'm not trying to be graphic for the sake of being graphic. I'm just trying to paint a picture. But when you're caned, in fact, I don't know if you guys remember, this was about 10 years ago. There was a a U.S. diplomat's son that spray painted a Rolls Royce that belonged to some high-ranking government official. And his punishment was to be caned. And this is what they This is what they did. They take you and they, they, they bind your hands and their, your feet and they put a leather, leather guard on you to protect all your, all your areas. But I know this sounds funny, but they leave your cheeks out, your rear cheeks exposed. Then they have a, these special, uh, uh, rods, bamboo type rods that they, that they soak in this particular mixture that they have created. And when they soaked these rods, they begin to uh, expand. And when they expand microscopically, you can't really see it, but microscopically, there are certain parts of this bamboo that begin to open up and and almost create like a a, a prickly roughness to it. And then the the people that, if that wasn't bad enough, the ones that are are doing the, the caning, they're trained on how to cane. It's not just like, oh, can you swing hard here? Come on, you do it. No, there's a technique to doing it. And one of the techniques is when they cane you and they hit you, when, when, that, when that cane makes contact with your skin, they roll their wrists very quickly. So it's a hit and it's, I don't know how to do it, but they hit it. And when they do that, so it's basically in your flesh and pull a rip, rip away, rip away, rip away. So even five or six, Caning, cane slap can really put you in a world of hurt quickly. And so that's kind of the idea behind what Paul and Silas went to. They weren't just like punched in a little bit and beat. They were whipped and beaten. So I want you to get that in mind. You've just been whipped and you've just been beaten. Now, I want you to take to what now they do. They take them into the prison. Not just the prison, but the Bible says the inner prison. And, I, and, and if you ever do any archaeological study on this idea, they've actually found the prison that they claim this could have been the one that Paul and Silas were in based on historical records. But this prison was, it was, a, was a part of a stone quarry. It was actually carved out of the rock. So it was very secure because basically it was just a rock cave and it had two chambers. It had a front chamber and then deep inside it had a, had a, it had a, 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 a whole nother chamber that was deeper in ground. The, one one uh, archaeologist says he believed it was 15 feet below ground and some 50 to 60 feet back up in the rock was this prison. So you got to go in, you got to imagine this. You walk in there, you've just been beaten. You've just been whipped. Every part of your body is aching. You've got blood coming out of, of places. You feel, you feel uh, just absolutely in misery and pain. And they bring you in there. And there were different types of, 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 of 
chains that were used based on the prisoner. They had some, some prisoners weren't even chained. Others were chained with very long chains because they weren't a flight risk. But there were others that were chained very securely because they were kind of loose screws or whatever. And, and the other part that was interesting that, that I read, and I'm not trying to bore you with a bunch of facts, but what was interesting was that the jailers were responsible for inmates. And if the inmates escaped, the jailer would be executed. And on top of that, most of the jailers were the, were soldiers and they were the lowest soldiers. So they were the ones that had nothing to lose. So that's the attitude of even those that were in charge of that jail. They treated you like they, that you were absolutely a dog. So I want you to get that, okay? Paul and Silas walk into a city doing the work of God. Not out doing something crazy. They're trying to obey the Holy Ghost. They walk in, the devil shows up. They cast out the devil. They rebuke the devil. They win a victory. They're ready just to go. I mean, woo, praise God. We just, I mean, the devil is on the run now. Hallelujah, praise God. Next thing you know, they're being whipped. And then they're drug into the prison. And the Bible says that they were, that their legs were put in stocks. So because of their, their risk and the type of prisoners they were, they were literally set on the floor. And like the old medieval wooden stocks, there was a wooden stock with two holes in it, and their feet were put there. And it wasn't like our prison system where prisoners have it better than most of us. Literally, they sat there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, not to be gross, but you do stuff during the day. It just happens. Your body is designed to do certain things. You can't go anywhere when those things happen. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm trying to paint you a picture. This wasn't the Hilton. So you got cuts, bruises, bleeding. Your hands are, all this has changed. Your feet are changed. And you've got all kinds of stuff piling up around you. Now, you know what? Can I be honest with you? I don't know if this conversation took place, but if I was sitting there and I was Silas, I'd have looked over at Paul and said, listen, I'm glad you're full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad you're all worked up. I know that whole thing you had, some kind of light hit you and you told me you were blind and somehow you found Jesus. But listen, the next time we go somewhere and you want to open up your mouth... Would you please wait till I can get away from you? Because I really don't want to do this again. And if it was me sitting there, I got to be honest with you. If it was me sitting there, I'd eventually said, hey, yo, hey, God, um, can you explain to me why I'm in here? And the magic word would be, what did I do wrong to deserve this? Why are you treating me so bad? Am I cursed? Are you mad at me, God? Wait a minute. I, you know what? I'm not happy with you, God. I was doing your will. 
I was trying to follow your will. I try to do what you, you taught me to do. I, I spoke the word like you told me to speak the word. And this is how you repay me, God, right? Have you noticed where I'm at? Have you noticed the condition I'm in? Come on, we get upset if we have a flat tire on the way to church. This was messed up. And I'm sorry. I know men in the Bible were great men, women in the Bible were great women, but they were human beings. I'm telling you, I think the Bible says at the midnight hour. So it took them a while to get to their praise because I think there was some arguing going on throughout the evening. (laughs) It said at the midnight hour, that meant... Hey, if they were so full of praise, they'd have started praising when they got there. It took them a while to get to the point where they got to praising because I think there was some arguing going on. And I think Silas was probably the one that started it. Because Paul, he'd already been through a bunch of mess. He'd already had all kinds of crazy stuff. He'd already been beaten and stoned and left her dead and all kinds of stuff. He'd, he'd used to it. But Silas, he, he wasn't in the game too long. And he's looking at Paul going, what have you got me into? I thought you told me we were going to go be used to God. I thought you were going to tell me we were going to see great things happen. And have you noticed where we're at? Look around, fella. You're beat up. I'm beat up. We got no food. This Philippian jailer, he's as mean as they come. And not only that, have you noticed? They didn't just put us in the first room, but we're already in the back room. And the smell, I want you to think about that. I know I'm, I'm being a little gross here today, but lunch is not for a little while. You can get over it. There's no bathroom facilities. There's nowhere for stuff to go. Everybody's doing stuff all around you. It smells. It stinks. You're in pain. There are people all around you moaning and groaning and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And on top of that, you got jailers that want to make your life as miserable as possible. Can you imagine what that must have been like in those conditions? I want you to put yourself there for a moment. And if that wasn't bad enough, then you are stuck in one place and you've got to sit on a cold, hard floor. You can't lay down. You can't. I mean, let's be honest. I remember I went to the country of Kyrgyzstan and we went to a we went to a a, 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 a seminar. And the only seats they had in the seminar were these little tiny benches. I'm a big fella. After a while, this little bench, they don't cut it. And I remember by the time that was done. Everything from here down was numb because I couldn't find a way to get comfortable because if I moved here, the bench wasn't very big. I had to sit the same way hour after hour. Can you imagine your feet can't move and you're sitting on the same spot for hours? Can you imagine how much pain you would be in? You know what I would have said? I'm just using me, okay? I don't know, you, you probably would have danced your way out of there. But if I was sitting there, I'd have said, listen, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll dance my way. I'll praise you. I'll worship you. If you get me out of this situation, I'll give you praise. I'll tell everybody how great you are. Just get me out of this situation. I don't want to be here any longer. If you do, if you do it, God, I'll, I'll, I'll praise everybody. You know what the Bible said? It didn't say they started saying, you know what? We got to start praying, brother. We better get to go. We better start to praying. Paul, you begin to pray. And I'm gonna, we're going to begin to pray. We're going to pray until something happens. You know that push, pray until something happens. We're going to pray, 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 pray. They didn't even pray. But the Bible says that 
at the midnight hour. I don't know if it was Paul that finally looked over at Silas and said, listen, you've had your time to complain. Now stop talking. I've been here before. I know what to do. And more than likely, if we don't get out of here, we got in here doing the Lord's work. And we're going to walk out of here either set free from the change or we're going to be set free to a new life when we die. But we're getting out of here one way or another. Stop talking. You've had your time to complain. You've got the complaint board filled up. Now, time out. Because I know a little bit about something and we're going to do it. And the Bible says at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas begin to sing. Because you see, in all of the devil's attempt to stop Paul and Silas, he overlooked one thing. You never leave two believers together. He should have separated them too. Because you never leave two believers together. Because the Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Jesus said, if any two of you agree together on anything touching heaven, it shall be done. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst. The biggest mistake the devil would made, he left Paul and Silas together. Because when you get two people together that are filled with the Spirit of God, that baptized in the name of Jesus, that's got the, work, the Lord working in their lives, when you get two people together, honey, something can happen. And they looked over and said, listen, we may not get hit through all this, but listen, we need to start doing something. And Paul looked over at Silas and said, Silas, give me a beat. And Silas started tapping his foot and giving Paul a beat. And Paul said, I'm going through. Oh, I'm going through. Oh, oh. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. Yes, I've made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through. And Silas looked over and said, I like that song. Let's sing it again. They started saying, I'm going through. Yeah, I'm going through. Oh, I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. Yes, I'm walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through. All of a sudden, the jail began to be filled with these two men just starting to sing and, and praise. And all of a sudden, you know, the Bible says heaven's his throne and earth is his footstool. And you know what? It's my message. I'll preach it like I want to. I can see God up there going, hmm, I like that. And God's up there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's it, Paul. Sing it, brother. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, God just started tapping his big toe. Boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, God's big toe hit that jail cell. And the Bible says, when they begin to sing, the foundation of that jail began to shake and the doors flew open and the chains were loosed and Paul and Silas got up and said, listen, I told you, Silas, I'm going through. I'm going through. Because 
Because here's what happens. And I'm coming to a close with a rapid pace. Here's what happens when this begins to happen. When you begin to praise, three things takes place. The first thing that takes place is the foundations begin to shake. That means what your problem is built on begins to crumble beneath your feet. It didn't say they prayed. It didn't say they asked God for anything. But when they begin to worship, what their problem was built on began to crumble. So if you're here today and you're built on fear, if you're built on worry, if you're built on doubt, if you're built on stress, if you're built on depression, if you're built on addiction, if you're built on, uh, if you're built on, on, on being bound by things, whatever your problem is built on, when you begin to praise, The foundation of the problems that your life is built on begin to crumble right on your feet. The second thing that happened is the Bible says the doors were open. That means that which was resisting them. That's what was keeping them in their situation. That which was blocking them from going forward was broken free. And the third thing that took place when they begin to praise is the Bible says not only were they loosed, but everybody in the whole jail was loosed. So you know what that means? Again, like I said, praise creates an atmosphere. And when you begin to create an atmosphere and the foundations begin to shake, and things begin to be open and begin to break. There's a spillover effect that even those that are just there watching and observing, they can't help but be affected by what's going on when you begin to praise. That's why the biggest mistake the devil can make is to let you get to church. Church ain't everything. I'll tell you that. It's not everything. But you know what? The biggest mistake the devil makes is let you get here. Because there are times if all you can do is drag your sorry carcass in this place. And all you can do is sit down and just say, good Lord Jesus, I'm here. He made a mistake. Because when sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, and they begin to dance. And they begin to praise. And they begin to worship. And they begin to give God praise and glory. And an atmosphere is created. Oh, somebody's getting it. I can feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's starting to see it. Hey, that's why we say praise is not an emotional thing. You just do because that's what we do. Praise is not a cultural thing. Praise is not something that can be done. Tell me where Paul and Silas praise God. Quietly. You know, I just, that's not. I'm very reserved. I'm reverent of the presence of God. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you're telling me you got reverence in your heart for God, it's going to come out of your mouth. So you know what? If you want to stay locked up, tied up, 
in your mess, in your situation, if you want to keep staying there, you don't know what I'm going through, preacher. You don't know how bad it is. Really, really? Have you been beaten? Have your body been shaken? Have you been sitting in your mess and your junk all for hours and all kinds of stuff, stuff you didn't even do? If that is not you, then you have a bad problem. Because if anybody had an excuse not to praise, it was these two fellows. If anybody had an excuse to say, you know what, this is enough, but something got a hold of them. You see, if we could ever understand the power that we have in praise. Brother Morgan said it a couple weeks ago. This is not something we're going to pray down. This is something we're going to praise down. This is not something we're going to praise down. Because you know what? Here's the problem. Here's what happened. When did Paul and Silas begin to praise? I'm trying to shut up. But when did Paul and Silas start doing it? It wasn't when they were in the outside of the jail cell and they looked around and said, look, we got out. Let's start to praise God because he set us free. They said, listen, we're going to start praising right in our circumstance before we ever see anything change. If you're going to wait for God to begin to move and work and do something before you decide to praise, you're going to stay in that inner prison for as long as you can think. But if there is something in you that said, listen, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know if we're going to get out of here or not. But I'm going through. I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to turn around. Oh, I wish you would stand with me today. Sister Trish, come. I lose faith to be loosed in this place. I lose faith to rise in this place in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, I can sense God wants to break some things, some change some things in some situations. But it's not going to be done because you come down here and you weep and you cry and you beg God and someone comes along and puts their shoulder on you and you just weep together and Jesus feels sorry for you and decides, well, they've they've cried enough, let me go help them. But there's something that's going to rise up in you that says, listen, as Brother Morgan said, I've got to praise, I've got to praise and I've got to let it out. Something in me says, listen, I refuse to wait till the battle's over but I'm going to start doing it right now because praise precedes the victory you know, you know I'm going through I'm going through here's what we can do we're going to declare we're going to make something we're just going to declare it we're going to sing that song I'm going through I'm, and if you're here today and you're in a situation you're in a mess, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. That's you and Jesus figure all that out. But you're going to start praising him right now and start declaring right now in this season before you even see the sun begin to rise again in your midnight hour, in the darkest part of your night, at the lowest point of your situation. That's when you're going to begin to praise. You're not waiting for the sun to start to creep up and say, well, looks like God's changing things. No, at the worst time, this is what I'm going to declare. I'm going through. But when you begin to praise, you begin to worship, not sing a song. It's not about singing a song just to sing a song, but I'm going to begin to praise. And when I do that, what my problem is built upon. The bishop preached a message years ago, and some of you will remember this message. At least the title of it says, what can you tell about, what can you tell about a man by watching him worship? 
And I was going through some stuff in my life and I was getting messed up in my head. I got to admit to you, I was getting, my head was messed up. I know that's hard to believe, but my head was messed up. That was supposed to be a joke. My head was messed up. I mean, I was confused. I was frustrated. And in the middle of that, you know what I lost? I lost my praise. I got to admit to you. I'd come to church and I didn't have a praise. And you know what? It, it just, it, it wasn't working. I was getting more messed up. And I'd come to church and the more messed up I got, the less I praised. I'd clap my hands. I mean, I'd do the Pentecostal seal. I mean, I had some stuff I normally did, but there was nothing to it. I mean, come on. I've been going for 35 years. I'm trained to do certain things. I mean, I can do it without even thinking about it. I mean, sometimes I say, hey, man, that's it. That's preaching. I'm looking at myself going, where'd that come from? Because it's built in me. So there's times you can do stuff without even thinking about it. And I was coming to church, but I was going through the motion. But the Spirit of the Lord finally one day got a hold of me and said, You said, you lost your praise. And until you get your praise back, nothing's going to change. And I got to admit, the next service I came, I didn't feel like doing it either. But I determined that service, I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. And can I tell you this? That when I begin to worship and I begin to praise, my circumstances didn't change, but the depression and the confusion and all the stuff that I was being battled with, man, that stuff began to lift. And standing here today, there's some things that haven't changed. But you know what? I'm going through. I'm going through. Is there anybody here today? We're going to sing this song. Is there anybody here today? You want to march yourself out of your seat? Come down here and say, listen, I'm going to start singing my song right in the middle of all this. I'm not waiting for it to change. But right here in this season, I'm going to declare what the world decides to do. I made up my mind. Come on, somebody needs to begin to get your praise back. Somebody needs to begin to praise and say, listen, I've got to praise. I've got to praise. Come on, don't just sing it. Believe it. I'm going through, yes. I'm going through. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. You I've made see, up. together we're going to declare this together you're in a mess i'm in the mess we're up here because we're in a mess we need something to happen but i'm gonna grab a hold of you because just like they did we're going to begin to sing it and i believe when we begin to see it god's going to begin to move in our situation just like he did in their situation say i'm going
Because let everything that has breath, praise ye 